Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Leadership Blend with your host, Ricardi Rice, and my co-host, Simone Shuri, and the correspondent, Cameron Wallace. All right, so we are back, and, you know, it's we have a special guest, and we will get to her in a few minutes, and, uh, you know, there's just so much stuff that's going on, and we we going to get right into it. So, Simone, what's on the rundown? We're going to talk about this week. This has been a very eventful week. Um, we're going to talk about the inauguration, which uh, I guess almost half of Americans had some sort of authorization to actually stay home and watch, even if they had to work, which I think is really special. So mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were able to watch the whole inauguration. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about some of uh, President Biden's first actions in office. He's issued uh, a wave of executive orders that we can get to, uh, one of which is of particular interest to you. Woohoo! <laughs> and, then, um, and then we'll just cover a little bit of impeachment and what that looks like and what the next process is and... And all of that. But, um, yeah, does anybody feel lighter this week, different this week? I told you, it was like ding-dong, the witches did around the world. They were all happy, and they were sending uh, (laughs) Biden emails, just, hey, we're ready to work with you. And I was just like, you know, it's it's – it's a return to not normalcy, but just return to decency. Yeah, uh, I think one of some Wanda Sykes did a video on uh, Twitter, and she was watching the press conference. The first, and she was like, "Wait, what is this? We haven't seen this in four years. Is this a press conference in the White House?" <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, it's it's it was." It was something. It was something. Yeah, I, I did see a lot of criticism from Republicans about the uh, Amazon letters, the, the letter that was written by Jeff Bezos on Amazon to help with the rollout of the vaccines to President Biden. And we're so excited and, you know, we're ready to help you and here's what we can do. And um, a lot of people who are kind of snarking that, like, so, so now they want to help. Now they want to be useful. Well, you know, under the previous administration, President Trump called Amazon all sorts of names. And he, was not he ve- and he was not very interested. To, well, true. He was not very interested in utilizing their services or their assistance. So I think this is just perfect natural timing, you know. And, and I'm glad that they're willing to um, step up and help. Uh, I, we were talking a little bit about President Trump's speech on his way, uh, on the way out, which to me was just, I was more just <laughs> just kind of aghast at the song and the choice of the song. But it's all, it's, it's all up to somebody's choice. Um, I love Frank Sinatra. I just thought that was such a dramatic choice, personally. But the inauguration was very festive and, and very live, and you know, I think everybody enjoyed it. And people are still talking about it and talking about the outfits and everything else. That have let's been be so very exciting. clear. Let's let's be very clear. Michelle Obama, you are officially <laughs> that chick. Now, if anybody ever doubted that, the way Michelle walked up in that thing with that outfit on, Michelle looked amazing. I mean, she always looks nice, mm-hmm. but she looked amazing in that outfit. Because like, I didn't watch them come in because I got kind of late. Because I don't normally watch inaugurations, but this one I was kind of like, you know what, let me, after all this going on, let me see how they decide to do this. But when they showed those clips of Michelle get out of that truck and them bundles that she had in her hair to that outfit <laughs> she had on and that color, like that color, I'm not even a fashion person, but that color fit mm-hmm. her skin tone so well. 
Michelle looked amazing. Like, this, so that this, was the highlight for you. That was the highlight for me, you know. And honestly, you know what? Biden has that same spirit that Obama does. Like, they have that preacher when they stand up, like, you feel invigorated, inspired. So even when he was talking, I was like, wow, he really did. He really does have that Obama thing that you really feel inspired when he talks. So I was really impressed with that. What was your highlight, Cameron? You had a highlight. My highlight of the inauguration was definitely seeing Amanda Gorman, um, you know, speak as the I haven't watched it. I need to watch it. It was just amazing. Like, some of the topics that she hit on, she just basically, like, covered everybody's sentiments over the past four years just dealing with the Trump administration and everything. So it was just wonderful to see a young, black, dark-skinned woman, you know, speaking as the inaugural poet because, yes. I, I mean, you, you put a lot of inflection on dark skin. What, yes, what, what, a lot. Does that mean something because, to you? Like, I mean, what? a lot of times in mainstream media, like a lot of people are like, you know, they're, they're pushing the whole like inclusivity thing and like, you know, push, pushing the whole like making black people representative. But you don't see a lot of representation from the dark skin community. Like you don't see, you know, everybody seems to be a little bit lighter than a paper bag, you know, when they're on <laughs> Netflix. Well, I mean, think I about it. Every production on Netflix. And there's a frequent erasure. Yeah. has become to be more inclusive there's an erasure so like every culture every race is technically included but not every shade of every only yes. so uh, we're gonna take a pause because regina like she got some things to say so i'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself <laughs> so you can be a part of this conversation this is today's guest go ahead and introduce yourself tell about your name and all that good stuff okay i am regina zabel i am a licensed clinical social worker i have a private practice in tucker georgia uh, there's a number of clinicians that are there. We have two psychiatrists and uh, ten therapists, two coaches, and a few interns as well. And these so are all a part of your well. practice. Yes, about a, yeah. Part She's of that chick, everybody. Awesome. She's that chick. So we have a specialist in the house today. So now you can chime in if you're ready to chime in. But yeah, did um, you watch the inauguration? I did watch it. I watched it with my sons, um, age eight, and the other is age fourteen. And so the eight-year-old, we talked about the president and the vice president, and he said, there's a woman up there. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, wow. she's a black woman. <laughs> That's awesome. That's right. Look, stare hard. <laughs> I mean, but actually sure. Cam's point, and I've said this before, we've talked about this about a year or two ago, about the representation of black folks and how it's, it tends to be more fair-skinned. Uh, and, you know, we don't see a lot of, of darker. Because people think I'm light skin. I personally think I'm pecan tan. But people tend to think I'm more bright skinned. Cam, you're a little darker than than uh, than me, uh, so I'm glad you brought that up because that that really is a thing. Like I would like to see you know more fair skinned. Uh, I was gonna say colors, but I know how y'all look when I say colors. Um, you said more. People, yeah, I would like to see more darker skinned oh. black people in offices because you know all all black kids are not fair skinned. They're not pecan tan. Some of them are actually darker, and they look they are beautiful specimens. So I, I agree with that. You know that we should do stuff like that. I think that the overall sentiment was just a lot of, it was just a very starkly different tone. That's just what it felt like to me. It was a very different tone. I felt like there was a certain tone set. Every administration has its own. Um, sometimes those are a little, uh, a little goofy, to be totally frank. Like I, I remember even in goofy. some dark times with, uh, with uh, former President Bush, there was just kind of a sense of like, there was a comedy sometimes. I think in his delivery that he never intended there to be, <laughs> um, even though he was very, very very warm and I think he, I think he's a good speaker um it just wasn't quite it wasn't quite totally the same and, and then former president Obama is just just a natural speaker just a natural literally like, like whether he's scripted or unscripted or whether he's you know written or not he just tends to have a delivery style that's just very 
Well, they had like, like this kind of cipher, I, I say cipher thing, where they had Bush, Clinton, and mm-hmm. Obama, and the three of them were they a were presidential cipher. Yeah, like a presidential <laughs> cipher, and you know the two of them were nice, but every time Obama spoke, it's like he has this swag about him. You just you just be like, what are you about to say? Like, what 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 are I about to say? Like, it was so interesting, mm-hmm. and he articulates well, so it's not like yeah. it's slang. It just resonates with us differently, which is mm-hmm. actually funny now that you bring it up. I was like because. The way that this inauguration went, you would have thought that's what happened, how it would have been for the first black president. It just feels like now, like we lost, we killed a witch, and the world is free. <laughs> like that's really what it feels like when I, when you think about it, it's like we had our first black president. It really should have. It was a big deal, but just like you said, this kind of mm-hmm. feels different. It's like, well, I think the relationships are, are kind of key, and it's the public is not going to not react to people's relationships. Like I, this, I saw this so clear, even though I think it had been clear, it was also very, very clear <laughs> before before um, the inauguration when uh, former Senator, former U.S. Senator John McCain passed and President Trump was not invited to that funeral and nor were his children or his... We called the man's all kind of godly names. Right, and so, and the fact that, that some of his children came anyway and kind of crashed was, was very contentious, but you saw, you know, the Bush family sitting right next to the Obama family and they are very close families. Their daughters oh, yeah, are all uh, very close. Bush loves uh, They all uh, talk Michelle. all the time, but, but they, they, they're sort of a presidential club like a cohort that exists and i don't know if they're in a group chat or something like that i'd imagine <laughs> a they're group, in a group chat. chat but if they are i'd imagine president trump is not in that group chat because you just you tend to see their like even over time you tend to see their relationships where they they'll visit each other or they'll go here or there and you never you've never seen uh i don't think a president so iced out or something and i don't think i don't really think that's going to change but i think it's it's good to me i like seeing the past administrations all kind of huddle and come together it's in their different parties and i just think it's a good message so i, I think it was a good tone for this to kick on so President Biden has already uh, issued a wave of executive orders. Uh, one of those is going to be to, of course, uh, attack the, the vaccine. That's very important for him. But he's also getting the uh, federal government to delegate a lot of aid as much as possible, um, trying to get the electronic benefits program going um, to make sure that food insecurity is taken care of. He's also addressing minimum wage. Yes, then- he signed that order. People, you're finally getting $15 an hour. Just as an FYI, if you were wondering, the federal minimum wage right now is seven fifty. Seven fifty. I don't know. At this point, you can't even live off ten dollars an hour, honestly. Like, and that's for a high school kid. You really can't live off ten dollars an hour. At this there point. are states with lower minimum wages. Georgia is one of those states with lower minimum wages. I think we're like one of two. That's that low. Well, so <laughs> the the unemployment. Oh, what you say about it, Simone? What, no, what you got to say about I'm it? I'm saying the unemployment rate is six point seven percent, which is twice the pre-pandemic level. But we'll see if this maintains despite this these changes. That's one thing, but you know, there's there's a lot to be said about whether or not we'll be able to maintain um, jobs and fill jobs with a very high minimum wage. So let's we'll just see. Well, the one thing we should have learned from the pandemic is how necessary the grocery clerk clerk is, or how necessary the nurses are. So yes, at this point, if you cannot make a valid case for people, everyday people, yes, I'm saying it again. If you can't make a valid case for everyday people making fifteen dollars an hour, you know, which still will. Won't do a whole. I mean, it'll help, but when you look at inflation, how much everything's cost, we're behind the curve. Fifteen dollars an hour is still behind the curve, but at least it's a good start from seven fifty. <laughs> seven fifty. I had a young lady I was talking to. She was like, she makes eight dollars an hour, and she has to take an Uber to work. I said, so half your sir, half your wage is gone in Ubers. Right. She was like, well, yeah, you know. I was like, well, baby, at this point, like, I mean, even if you went to McDonald's, they pay about ten dollars an hour, but it's the principle. It's a good start. And again, if you can't make a case <laughs> for somebody that's ringing up your groceries, this is not just about me. They're all. This is not just about people me. think like you. You, you still me. rolling after all we've been through with this <laughs> pandemic and realizing the necessity of the everyday person who, from the person that rings up your groceries to the person that delivers your groceries, if you still can't make his fifteen, you are disgusting. And I've never 
nothing else to say to you. You are absolutely disgusting in this moment right now, Simone. I'm not going to take that personally because, we, in fact, we're going to get to this more, but our special guest, Regina, just said that she has the power within her to deflect all kinds of things and words. <laughs> and so I'm not going to internalize that. I am happy that the president is releasing a $1.9 trillion dollar relief plan. It's a low blow to take I'm glad her, uh, her that we, I'm glad that we got a relief plan. It's very important. I never said that, you know, some some aid, real aid, is not necessary in devastating times like these. These are devastating economic times. I'm all for relief during de devastating economic times. I just don't believe in Band-Aids for bullet wounds. And I do think, ultimately raising the minimum wage when nothing else is changing the economy is just sort of a, sort of a false false sense of relief that's well all. at least it starts something so at least people can keep can kind of keep their head above water at this point is right. anybody making eight dollars an hour with my or 775 for that with kids jesus remember frank said he have kids he had families in his district that are living off ten thousand dollars a year that's true. Ten thousand dollars oh, wow. a year last yeah. last piece uh with regard to impeachment so the house has already uh, you know uh, transmitted those articles uh on Monday, at least that's when it'll actually be done. Then it comes up to the Senate. Um, Which Chuck Schumer is now in charge of now. Yay! Yeah. Mitch McConnell's gone. Well, he's not gone. He's just kind of demoted in, in, in theory. There are a lot of questions about what this will mean or like what it'll do. And, uh, you know, in previous administrations, folks have kind of said that, you know, I'm in here now. Let's just forget the past. Let's move on. Um, but this is something that I think that Democrats are going to hold on to for, for uh, and want to see all the way through. So we'll see what the actual result will be. It will mean that once those hearings and everything begins that, um, you know, Donald Trump will not be done, done, you know, for very long. So when he said, I'll see you soon or I'll talk to you soon, was Ugh. that his last? Technically he will because, you know, impeachment uh, is, is proceeding. So You know that's um, not what he meant. <laughs> that is, you know, we all know that's not what he meant. He meant, I'm going to see y'all in 2024 mm -hmm. when it's time to run again. So I need them to impeach him because if they do that, that's uh, – that's, that relieves him of all the being able to run again, all the benefits that come with being a president if they impeach him officially through the, the Senate. So I'm hoping for it. Uh, we can say that plays out because, yeah, he does yep. not deserve those benefits. Yep, he just got an attorney, a uh, new attorney, uh, Butch Bowers out of South Carolina. So we'll see. This is going to be a legal situation. Ugh. You know legal situations take a long time. So we South Carolina gets on my nerves. Why are they always doing I stuff? There's great attorneys out there. That's not the point. Why? This is like with Lindsay. <laughs> In all the it's like, it's South Carolina always on the opposite side of I'm from South Carolina, so that's I'm my say So it's Cam. In your home state. I'm, I'm okay. Cam, how do you feel? I'm disappointed. I'm very disappointed in my state. Oh, it's disgusting. This, this, is, this is ridiculous. Ugh. But listen, an impeachment conviction is not a, a criminal conviction. That's another story for another day. So, but we can get there next week, I guess. Maybe when the hearings start kicking off. So, actually, in February, we probably return to just being us, so we can really tackle some stuff. <laughs> I think our last guest is next week. I'm not even going to schedule anybody because we need like a whole month. So we can give um, Cam some real time to shine when we really just beat us to really go at it and have some fun and all that good stuff. All right, is that is that everything? I Cam, think that's anything all. Else? That's enough for now. Let's keep it keep it up. <laughs> Any more news? This is gonna <laughs> we need to keep it up. Yeah, your boy sucks, but it's okay. It's okay. Your boy sucks. All right, Cam, go ahead and lay the foundation for today's discussion. All right. So today we're tapping into mental health and the stigmas stigmas that surround mental health. Um. So firstly, we want to just dive into like a little bit of statistics. Um, so one in five U.S. adults live with a mental illness. And that kind of equates to about 51.5 million uh, Americans. So the majority, when we kind of break this down by demographics, the majority are female at 24.5% of that population. The majority um, are also 18 to 25-year-olds um, at 29.4% of that population. And the majority of that are biracial. They qualifies biracial 
at 31.7%. So we kind of see like the disparities as far as like mental health and access um, when we look into who receives treatment out of that 51.5 million. So out of that 51.5 million, 23 million actually receive some type of mental health services. And the majority of those people are 40 are 50 years old or higher. So that's 47.2 of that percent of that population. So it's kind of alarming just to see that the majority of, of uh, as far as age age group, the majority of individuals living with a mental illness um, is 18 to 25 year olds, but the majority of people mm -hmm. receiving mental health services are 50 years old or higher. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of speaks on access issues and issues of, of you know, why, of, of the stigmas itself and of the social norms that are being reciprocated down to the next generation. Um, because it really does revolve around a stigma. It, do, it does revolve around some stereotype, stereotypical barriers that need to be for broken sure. in order for us to really understand why, you know, these access issues are happening. So, okay. I will. All right, so let's, let's do this. So, we're gonna start with Regina. Regina, like we were talking about before we started, the things that you commonly see in your practice that walk through the door, let's start there. And then from there, we can talk about what each one actually means. So what are the most common conditions that you see on a, a month to month, week to week basis that come through your door? Yes, absolutely. So we commonly see anxiety. We see depression, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. We also see bipolar disorder. And then, um, and sometimes we see schizophrenia. Let's yeah. talk about anxiety. I'm, let's talk about anxiety because people throw that word around a lot. I don't really know what it means per se. What exactly is anxiety? So anxiety is a condition that comes and goes. It like ebbs and flows where there is this nagging of fear. And so it will actually slow you down. Um, it'll stop you from being able to drive a car because you may have um, driving anxiety, going into a crowd because you have social anxiety, um, you know, I think the ones that we commonly know is like public speaking anxiety, mm -hmm. like talking in front of a crowd, but it can be as minor as I've got to get up and go to work, go to school, mm -hmm. I'm anxious to be around the people that are around me. So anxiety is just really like this, this, this ebbs and flows of fear mm -hmm. that can lead also to panic. And so there's separate from anxiety is panic disorder. And so um, people will go through where um, coping strategies have been exhausted and now they are hyperventilating, um, they are like shallow breathing, they mm -hmm. may feel as if they're having a heart attack, um, we can say butterflies, but it just becomes exacerbated and then, and, and there's this, as if they're going to die. They're gotcha. like, I'm, I guarantee you I'm about to die, but really it's just a panic disorder, or a panic, panic attack that's gotcha. happening. So does anxiety lead into all those other stuff that you're talking about? So is, because I'm trying to decipher when is it not like normal to just have fear and it actually be anxiety? Like how do yeah. you know the difference? Good question. So when it interrupts your day-to-day -day living in multiple settings, so um, in two or more settings. So when we, are, when we are doing an assessment, we're talking with someone, we're asking them how is this affecting you and where is it affecting you? So sometimes we can pinpoint it and we can just say it's um, for a child. It only affects my child when I part from them and I drop them off at daycare. So they're having this panic. They're having, you know, these crying mm -hmm. spells. They're calling out my name. I feel so bad. So that's separation anxiety. But it's only affecting the child when the child is in, 
in multiple out, away from mom gotcha. or away from dad, away from family. So so it's so we're like okay, that's a diagnosis. Um, let me see another. Oh, so it's I like those TV it. shows uh, in those extreme situations where you have the guy that won't come outside because it's like it's a new world. I'm just I can't come outside my door. It's just too much. It's so it's something kind of like that in an extreme situation if it gets yeah, to that point yeah, where you don't want to go outside. That's extreme. And what happens is it's just really it's a lack of treatment for so long, and then it grows and grows and grows. So um, just as much as we want, we encourage our clients to. Um, build up self-esteem, um, build up confidence. Mm-hmm. You can also build up anxiety and get in a in a in a just a deeper state of anxiety, anxiousness, um, or I mean any other condition really, any other diagnosis. Hmm. So, uh, even though we were starting to get into these one by one, I think one of the questions you asked was kind of applies to all of them, which is like, when is it? When, when is, is it time? Right, and I think so for me. My understanding and talking to different people within the field, whether they're actually whether they're psychiatrists and they just deal with, and they really just deal with that, or they're counselors of other types, is that they usually say, well, there is no start because nobody doesn't benefit from some level of mental mental health treatment, or at minimum, even if it's just CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy, like so there is no start. Um, there are times in which you know you should really seek treatment, but nobody couldn't benefit. Is that true? I I what I say to my clients is uh, what do I say? I say. Just like you go and see your doctor for your physical, mm-hmm. mm. there's also a mental, like in essence, like an ap- a, a measurement that has to come with your, your your mental as well. So it may be a check-in, it may be a monthly check-in, it may be an annual check-in, it may be a situational check-in. You're going in, um, you may increase your frequency of visits during a certain stressful time in your life. Um, but I don't think, I know that mental health there is a major stigma. I know there's a there's an embarrassment that's associated with it. And to be honest, I have built my practice. I have worked so hard at building a practice where people have come in and I've said, congratulations, you've crossed the threshold. Because just by coming in, mm-hmm. it takes a lot. And then once they sit down, they talk, they talk it out. At the end, I always say, so how was it? Did I bite? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Were you yeah. expecting me to attack? You know, because, you know, that's that that fear of the unknown. And it's like, what does it look like? But we also have to keep in mind what family has taught us. You know, uh, what is it? Just pray it away. You oh, know, that's it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be okay. Just exactly. How do we, I'm trying to figure out how do we get there? Like, where do we get to a place that something that is, will keep you healthy mentally is something you don't want to do? Or we talk you not into doing? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we get there. Like, what? I think it kind of starts with just like, understanding the severity ranges of like mental health like because mm-hmm. I mean it kind of starts with just as you was um, speaking on it kind of starts with like mild symptoms and then progresses to moderate and then progresses to severe so I feel like at the mild to moderate stages most especially in the black community it's kind of just like pushed off laid to the side kind of thing it's just like oh well you know I understand this is how you feel but pray about it and you'll be all right baby you <laughs> know go tarry on the altar for a second and you'll be okay but then once it gets to that severe stage and it's, it's not saying that it's too late because it's never too late to seek treatment or to That's seek right. help but it's just that once it gets to that severe state, it's kind of to a point where it's like, okay, maybe we should have saw the signs. You know, they didn't recognize sure. the signs earlier on. So it's just kind of. Yeah, what I like to, um, I was just talking to a friend this morning um, about weight lifting. So if somebody were to give you a 50-pound weight mm-hmm. and say lift it, you know, do some curls, you're probably going to have, you're going to be challenged, you know. You're going to say, uh, I haven't done this. And so. That's what happens when, when, when stressors, major stressors are just kind of plopped down in our lap. 
we're expected just to cope. You're mm -hmm. expected to just figure it out. And so that's like lifting that 50-pound weight. But we haven't been practicing. There hasn't been a 5-pound weight, which then graduated to a 10-pound mm -hmm. weight, which graduated to a 15-pound weight. And so, so people are actually, that's when they do get to that severe stage where it's just like there's no hope. Um, all It's the end of the world, but there really it's not. I mean, there's lots of hope um, for everyone. And I want to sure. emphasize that for mental health. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to my um, next thing, depression. Yes. Let's, let's get into depression. Let's unpack depression. That mm -hmm. seems to be one that word gets thrown around a lot. Yes. So let's get into depression. What is it? What does it look like? All that good stuff. Okay. So um, it's actually a mood disorder. So depression comes whether it's a single episode or it is a um, recurrent episode. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking with some, uh, you're, you're in a place of, of low state. You're low. You may feel sadness. Um, they're also at, there's also anger. Mm-hmm. And so when you feel these things, you have difficulty getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. You have difficulty um, performing. There's a lot of distraction. Oftentimes, you can't follow through on completing tasks. Okay. So something that once found you found joy in, you no longer find joy. You may not shower mm -hmm. um, because you feel as if that's a task. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. that's so what can anxiety is. lead to depression too? No, they can be together mm -hmm. um they can coincide they can they can coexist um i mean i guess yeah i mean you can be anxious for so long that it makes you depressed because you can't resolve the issue uh but but you can be depressed and not have anxiety mm -hmm. you can have anxiety and not be depressed and then you can also just have both so with anxiety and depression when it gets to a point where you cannot function that's when you should seek like Help. How do we get to being prescribed medication? I guess that's my next question, especially for depression. Uh, you know, you see the commercials. Uh, I've got, it used to be a real popular one. I used to know the name because I saw so many commercials for it, for depression. Um, but I can't remember. So how do you know when you get to that point that you need to be prescribed something? Because, you know, I, apparently there's a chemical imbalance type thing. Like, where do, how do we get there? It's when you're in a low, you're in such a low place that you can't pull yourself out and no one else can pull you out, including your therapist. And so your therapist will have this conversation with you. So what, what, what we encourage is we say try therapy first mm -hmm. because sometimes therapy just needs to unlock or release something mm -hmm. and inside of you. And then once you do that, let's say five weeks later, you're still in this low state. Uh, I need to refer you. You need to see a psychiatrist. Now, sometimes people will make the mistake in thinking that the medicine is going to make it all better. But actually, the medicine doesn't make it all better. It just offers some relief mm -hmm. to the symptoms. So it's kind of like taking cold medicine and it gets rid of the, cold, the coughing. Mm -hmm. um, but the cough is still going to come back until it's, it's kind of circulated through your body and, you and you're fully healed. Gotcha. But that's Okay, so let's stay in that example that you're uh -huh. using now. So yes. when you talk about treating a cold, though, you know you have the cough and all that stuff. So with mental, how do, what does the medication do? If it's not like chemically changing anything, what does it actually do? It actually helps it it helps you focus on the necessary treatment that you need. So it may lower your anxiety, so then now you can talk about the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. It may increase your mood, um, improve your mood, so then now you can get up and get out of bed and you can talk about, well, what really got me depressed in the first mm -hmm. place? Why am I depressed? And so so that's what really the medication does is it it allows 
a disruption mm -hmm. so that you can just get to a place of, of balance mm -hmm. to be able to address the issues. Yeah. And so a therapist's goal is for you to be able to then build up coping and like I said, remove, heal wherever you need to heal so then that way you can really implement the things that you have learned mm -hmm. during, during treatment. Now, of course, there's some other conditions mm -hmm. that this doesn't apply to. Sure. Um, Before you do those, mm -hmm. I know we have a few we want to get through. Can you yeah. just talk about the basic differences between mood disorders, between uh, between the different types of disorders? Because yes. I think that would be helpful, too. And, yeah. And so there are some disorders. Like I said, with depression, it's a single. there could be a single episode. Um, and that might be something like you lost a loved one. You mm -hmm. lost a dog. And so it's like, oh, I'm so sad. Um, but... But reoccurrent, you know, I'm depressed about, you know, the loss of this, this person, this mm -hmm. person, this person, this person, and then this thing. You know, there's just a number of things. So there's these recurrent. Now, depression, anxiety, what we, what we know now is that people actually can heal from it um, and say that this is something of the past. Mm -hmm. But what we do know about the other, there's some other diagnoses like um, like the struggle that people deal with with uh, PTSD, bipolar disorder. OCD, maybe? Pardon? OCD? OCD, yes. And um, schizophrenia. So those right now, the technology, and I want to say, I want to call it technology, is medication. You know, the medications are out there, and they're doing the best that they can in trying to make sure that there's a balance mm -hmm. in the mind so that people can still be able to function successfully. And so, but what ends up happening often is, you know, you take your medicine, you feel much better, and then you stop taking your medicine mm -hmm. because they're believing that it's similar to anxiety or similar to depression, and that's not the case. Mm -hmm. yeah, All right, so this is a very basic question, but I need to ask because I know other people are, we hear words like therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist. What is the difference? Are some of them yes. the same? Like, what, is, what does all that mean? Like, yes. we, we, we hear these things. That's a Can great question. Break that down for me. Okay, so it's like an umbrella. Let's, okay, so we're all under an umbrella. And so at the top is the highest paid. You know, is the psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Let's be clear. So that's the one that can prescribe medication. <laughs> yes, that is okay. the one that's a, that's a medical doctor that can prescribe medication. And then right below that, we have our um, PAs, which are physician assistants, our nurse practitioners, mm -hmm. um, and so they they are nurses with master's level um, degrees or uh, doctorate d degrees, and um, and so they also are able to prescribe. But they're able to prescribe not a hundred percent of the medications. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're only able to prescribe certain, not the controlled, at least in the state of Georgia, controlled not the substances. controlled substances. So that's still, and, and honestly, with a nurse practitioner, they are really working hand-in-hand hand with a medical doctor. So there is a medical doctor that they have to, you know, kind of gotcha. attest to or talk to, speak to. Then underneath the, those prescribing doctors, mm -hmm. so underneath them, we ha we're talking about a psychologist and um, a psychologist, neuropsychologist, they are actually more of the testing. They're doing a lot of the testing okay. that you may need. Um, so you might say, you know, I think my kid might be ADHD. So you take them in to see a psychologist who's actually going to do some a battery of tests and different scales and determine what exactly is going on. Then below the psychologist are, um, I'm sorry, and they have a doctor. So mm -hmm. we call them doctor as well. Gotcha. So, but they're, they're PsyD. Um, P S Y D capital D mm -hmm. um, or P lowercase H capital D P PhDs. Mm -hmm. 
So um, then below them, we have um, master level professionals, and um, they are licensed clinical social workers like mm -hmm. myself, licensed professional counselors, um, licensed marriage and family therapists, mm -hmm. and, um, and pastoral, I guess pastoral okay. um, as well. And so what these individuals do um, is that's where we're kind of like in the thick of it. Where Doing we, the work. Of yes, where we see the client. We're seeing them for an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, you know, doing the family sessions. So, um, and we're actually treating. Now, everybody has been taught different modalities, but it's all under mental health. Gotcha. Yep. So a therapist. So, so a therapist is a licensed clinical social worker, mm -hmm. a licensed professional counselor, a licensed so marriage your and family level, therapist. So that's yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So and those fields, do they need certifications? Do they need degrees? What do they need to do that? Yes, you actually have to be licensed uh, in the state of Georgia, and um, so and we all have a terminal license, which is that LCSWLPC mm -hmm. or LMFT, mm -hmm. and so that. That terminal license allows, it just means that we've done, I don't know, I think like 5,000 hours or something like that, mm -hmm. and so many hours of supervision where you've had somebody who was, you know, that license, and they allowed, they, they, you studied under them. Gotcha. So, yeah. All right, so we're going to bust you, I'm going to start busting y'all real good. You just want you a therapist, don't have no credentials. <laughs> you heard it here today, so you know what you're looking for. <laughs> All right, yes. so let's, let's, let's get into, anybody got any other questions before we get into the heavy no. stuff? No, no, no. Okay, I'm, I, I do kind of have a question. I just yes. want to kind of get some insight about access to these things. So, like, how often do you encounter individuals who don't necessarily have insurance or the means to pay for the medicine or the medications that, you know, they'll need in order to pursue their mental health journey? I mean, like, some I know the serotonin-enhancing uh the serotonin-enhancing uh, medications cost about $850, and, uh, like, that's not always covered by people's insurance. It's not always in someone's pocket. So, like... How does the access to that look? Um, the access, so there are a number of programs that are out there. So you can either go to the state to be able to get services from the state, um, the, uh, the county. Mm -hmm. um, Is that public health? Yes. Yeah, that would be public health departments, um, community service boards. Um, you can get those type of services if you're looking for something that is uh, free. And then also there are different programs where you can – go you can like for my for my practice we did get a lot of calls and we wanted to to touch and reach our community and so we ended up offering that's where I have my interns and I'm like hey you guys you can get services between free and thirty dollars thirty five dollars mm -hmm. an hour and so so and programs are out there in different places mm -hmm. where people actually offer them that and um, so you still get quality service. Um, you still get quality service, and it's still in the same environment mm -hmm. as somebody who has insurance or somebody who's paying self-pay. So uh, it just depends. Uh, but I would not give up because you have access. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, no one really probably wants to go to the public clinic. You know, no one wants to go to Grady 13th floor, you know, but it is out there. And so sometimes it is a fight to fight for your mental health. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get into the heavy stuff. All mm -hmm. right, so let's, let's start with PTSD. Um, because when I think of PTSD, I, if I'm more prone to think about military veterans and, and what they've been through, but that's not always the case. 
So let's talk, what is PTSD and, and what can it how can it show up in, in like the average Joe's life? Okay, so PTSD is a disorder in which people have difficulty recovering after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. And so it might be, I mean, it could be something as small as, um, like I mentioned earlier, where you drop your child off at daycare and they're terrified and they were ill-prepared and then they're like, don't leave me ever again, you mm -hmm. know? So that might be something that was very terrifying to them. Great abandonment issue. <laughs> yes. Or a car accident. Right. So something that major, it, it could be, you, so really when it comes down to PTSD, you were expecting one outcome and got another. And then that, that's just it. The other outcome was so terrifying that it like literally uproots you emotionally. And so, and yes, it could be veterans, you know, who are, um, thank you to all of our veterans, by the way. For sure. Shouts um, out. Really, shouts out, for real. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I oh, couldn't do it. No problem. Anyway. <coughs> so, yeah, so, you know, like our veterans, but then it could be something like a car accident. It could be something like a home invasion. It could be something like a rape, you know, um, and it could be a known, you know, here a woman is, she has gone on a date, she said no, and then it turned into date rape, you know, a date rape situation. That's, that's traumatizing. So, so tra uh, PTSD is really, I was not expecting that outcome. And okay. sometimes it happens where it plays out repeatedly, mm -hmm. time after time after time after time. And so especially in the black community, we were talking about this the other day, me and the doctor, Dr. Allen, you guys, we're just like, it's true, though. It, it's not just post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's also, for, for our black community, it's post-traumatic slave disorder. So oh. here we are, traumatized, intergenerational trauma. So it's, it's, and that's honestly an existing phenomenon, but it's a new phenomenon now where it's like, yeah, we do have to address these issues and we have to talk about them because we can treat a person, but mm -hmm. then we haven't even really treated the depths of, of rooted, mm -hmm. of rooted trauma that was passed down generation to generation. So that would be my next question. So when it comes to PTSD in specifics, is that something that you start with a therapist and then you kind of go up the chain if it's needed or can a therapist really take you out of that moment and put you back in life? Um, well, you mean during, a, during an talk episode? About this. Can you talk about the, the symptoms? Because, I mean, there's a lot of symptoms. Yeah, so, so normally with PTSD, a person, you may not be in therapy at the moment mm -hmm. when somebody's going through an episode. So that would be where they um, have these flashes and with that flashback, of that episode, it's just there's there's a rooted emotion that comes in. So there's that feel, that terror, um, the belief that that moment is still existing right mm -hmm. now, being played out. Um, they of course will clam up and not mm -hmm. want to be around and trust the environment that they're in. And so, so how how you treat it is you there's there's a number of modalities mm -hmm. that are out there where you can actually treat it. And so. It's just really trying to find the right fit right. of of who can really help you 
and really who specializes in it and who's mm-hmm. certified in it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And that's the journey piece that, that I think you were talking about earlier. Is that the, Because I've, I've also heard people say that it's also, even if CBT is what you're looking for, just behavioral therapy, sometimes it's just not the right fit for you yeah. with a certain person. So it is a journey of like, okay, well, I'm going to try something else, but I'm going to keep trying. Yes. So a responsible therapist is going to say, whoa, this is beyond my scope. Mm-hmm. A responsible therapist is going to say, I'm going to help you find someone and um, even within my practice, we have, we have individuals that are seeing two therapists because really? one is addressing trauma mm-hmm. and then the other is addressing depression or anxiety. So that is not – and it's not a matter of – because it's not, it's not our arrogance where it's like, oh, I can do everything. Mm-hmm. It's how can I help you? Mm-hmm. That's it. I don't want to disrupt your growth. And if I happen to disrupt your growth, then I'm doing you a disservice. Right. So, so we're in the field to help or at least help you get to, pl- to the place that you need to get to. All right. So talking about trauma, where does that fit into this? Is that like when you say trauma and we're talking about PTSD, is the trauma at the root of this PTSD? Is that how that plays out or is that something, a whole other issue, trauma? So um, let me see. Trauma, yeah, so the trauma, traumatic experience that had occurred is, is something that happened, right? It's the stressor. Okay, that's a good way. It's a stressor. Now, some people are able to cope, and they're able to say, man, a bad thing happened to me, and that sucked, and that's it. Mm. But then some others who are, they're not able to say that. And normally when I see PTSD, it's because there's a series of other traumatic experiences of their past. So there may have been molestation. There may have been um, rape, Mm -hmm. because oftentimes – there is, like, when there's frequent molestation, um, it's like they are susceptible, women are susceptible for to be raped as well. Um, and, and because nothing was, was navigated or addressed. And so, so then that leads to molestation. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, there's rape experiences, and then maybe there's a, a terror or a trauma that occurs in the workplace. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody comes in, they bring a gun or something like that, and it's like, it's just terrifying. So we're talking about a series of experiences that really just disrupted mm-hmm. this person's psyche. Like, I thought I was safe. Mm-hmm. And, and think about it. PTSD is an overall feeling of not feeling safe. Mm-hmm. So when they say trauma lives in the body, can you talk about what that looks like, too? Because I feel like, when, and there's gang violence and other mm-hmm. sorts of things that we talk about when it comes to, like, what can cause trauma. And a lot of people think it's normal, but different people are different. So different things. Something may be traumatic for you that's not traumatic for somebody else. But I, I tend to think probably everybody has something. Yeah. And it just hasn't hit them at that particular point. But what do people say when mean when they say trauma lives in your body? Um, so it's a, it's it's a, so the body, the mind. Um, unfortunately, the mind is not able to um, put out. I guess you know just release. Um, anything and so it's released in other kinds of ways mm. and so it'll may like I said there might be butterflies um, there may be back pain there may be um, I, I, there's one disorder called uh, somatoform disorder and what that is is when um, your the con- what's the shock or the trauma actually affects the body for example a man walks in and his wife is having an affair, he mm-hmm. goes blind. Mm. And so when he goes to the doctor, the doctor says, your sight is just fine. But psychologically, he went blind because he couldn't believe what he saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
so like I said, there might be clammy hands. Mm-hmm. Um, just reactions just, that, yeah. Yeah, so that's where the trauma lives in the body. And then also the trauma remembers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. especially with my um, my sex, um, the, those that have those uh, the trauma of rape or um, child molestation, their, their partner may come in and say, well, we are, we're not having sex. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not that he or she doesn't want to have it. It's just that they haven't healed mm-hmm. from the past trauma that happened to be sexual abuse. Yeah. And so you're having to work through that and talk about that to be able to get them to a place so that they can actually physically connect with their partner. Mm-hmm. So that's what it means before, when the trauma Yeah, I, I know we, before we go to the next one, I know that... For me, I remember my heart racing like a million miles an hour. And when I was in a car accident a couple of years ago, it was specifically that I was going through an intersection and that there was a power outage. And so I was just trying to get home when everybody was doing what they're supposed to do and like stop yes. and wait. But this truck was like a commercial truck. And I guess it was not from the area. So I didn't know where it was and know that the power were out. I thought it was just like dark because it was 4 a.m. or so. And so it just came barreling through the intersection. And so for me, I, and I didn't feel anything. I felt like, okay, I was in a really bad accident. And I'm glad I survived it. But then the next time I was driving and the lights were out at an intersection, I, I just, like, you could not convince me that something horrible was not going to happen. And I, yes. I made my wife turn around and take us back because I yes. was not going through that intersection until they came and fixed these lights. Right. So it's like, and it was it was just physical. I remember mentally thinking, like, it's daylight. It's, like, it's a totally different situation. Yes. Like, there's a, even, like, an officer over there. But I just was not trying to go through that light. And I remember it being very, very physical. I was like, this has got to be what they're talking about. Because up here, I know that this is a different situation. But my body is just like, get the hell out. Don't go through that light. Yeah. Don't go through that light. Absolutely. I feel I like mean, I should hold your hand, you know, after, after <laughs> you saying that. You never, weren't you here when that happened? Mm-hmm. I'm about mm-hmm. to say, you, you didn't mm-hmm. make it seem that big. See, this is how people hide stuff. It didn't you feel didn't, like You didn't make it seem like that big of a deal. Until the next time. Until lights, you share it now. Went out, and then I was like, I'm not going through that light. And I, I, she was trying to, well, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I could have cut her. Right, but you're not you taking, you're not you're not taking me truth. through that yeah. light. Yeah. You are turning this car around. Yeah, what else you hiding? Because you had like, that wasn't a big deal. What else you hiding in that bag of yours? I'm, we got to talk after the show. Yeah. I'm concerned. All right, so let's let's move on to uh, bipolarism. Mm-hmm. Yes. What is bipolar? Now, I will say, shouts out to Jennifer Lewis, who I love and adore. She brought a little light to bipolarism when she said that she was bipolar. Um, but it's something we joke about in the black community all the time. Like we say it all the time. Like, oh, I'm bipolar. Blah blah blah. What is bipolarism for real? Well, it is called it's called bipolar disorder, and we have bipolar one and bipolar two. Oh. And so, what it is is it's manic and depressive episodes, and it's it's polar opposites. So, a person that you may meet will be extremely, um, if they're going through a depressive episode, they're super, super, super depressed. Mm-hmm. And and if they're going through a manic episode. They're extremely elevated, happy, um, on top of the world. Um, you may find somebody who was in a manic episode, oversexing, just several partners. They may be overspending. Um, I had one client; she looked up eighty thousand dollars in debt in 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 two months. In two months, mm, and I, re- I remember her saying something like. I redid my bedroom, and I was like, oh, congratulations. And so at that time, I should have asked a few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> because like, yeah. ma'am, you said the bedroom, not the house. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, I could see that. Yes. And so once, so a, man, a manic episode are, is just these extreme inflations. And there is no gray. There is no in-between. 
So that individual is either extremely, extremely happy or extremely, extremely sad. And so for, for us, we may encounter something where we're disappointed or felt like we got let down, like, oh, I'm, I feel let down. Um, for a person who is bipolar, it is the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So there's a devastation that is, that is cut so deep, and it might be something as minor as um, my, my husband didn't fill the car up with gas. Mm-hmm. He doesn't love me. Mm. Jesus. Right. It's just that deep. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and when you when you're in the when you're in the room, you can feel it and you're just like, wait a minute, should I be that disappointed if my spouse doesn't fill up my gas tank mm-hmm. as well? So 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 bipolar disorder is is my favorite disorder because these individuals love so hard and but then they also hate really hard. How about to say that's, that's So uh, there's a great book and it's a classic. It's called and I think this is really how it sums up bipolar. Mm-hmm. It says um, I hate you, don't leave me. Mm. Okay. Good recommendation. Yes. Uh, yeah, that that that's concerning. Um, <laughs> let's right. get to the next one that you want to talk about before we I have questions too, but Well, you want to ask questions first? You want No, no, no. Nope. Cuz these are cuz they're overall questions and so I want to make sure we get through all the Wait, what was the last one? It was schizophrenia, I think. Oh, yeah, schizophrenia. Was it OCD? No, you said schizophrenia. No, you throw an OCD. I didn't think that was a condition. Okay. That's case, okay. my brother's in trouble. Oh. It, it is a condition. What do you mean? I mean, it's that, called a disorder. I mean, it is, but OCD is. I mean, well, it's so now we have to talk about that too because now I feel like you're about to say something really unhealthy. And toxic. <laughs> no, all I was going to say is OCD people come in very handy because the house is always clean because my brother has OCD. So I, that you is know, called I, manipulation, I, I think. No, it's not because that's his natural space. Which is like narcissism. That's his natural space. He likes so to clean. So let's keep going. Yeah, so we can talk about OCD. So I don't OCD. want to talk about OCD. She won't throw that in. I really get the schizophrenia. We can go to OCD last. I mean, well, it's simple. I mean, well, it's okay, we'll simple, go ahead. But it's, 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 so it's um, it's an excessive orderliness, order, order, putting things in order. <laughs> <laughs> but it could also not be and things. It could be just like a ha- like a tick, right? Like a yes, habit. So perfectionism. It have to be yeah, just this desire for perfection. And if you think about it, it's like a coping strategy. So if I'm able to make sure that I have wiped down the counter, washed my hands, um, you know, locked the door, and I double check three times, five times, okay, I'm mm-hmm. in control. Mm-hmm. I have controlled this situation. Um, and so that often, there's some trauma there. You know, there is some history mm-hmm. where this individual has felt like they were out of control, and then now they're in this place where it's like, I can control this. I may not be able to control that, or I couldn't uh, control that situation, and this is how I'm coping. And so um, and so it becomes a condition. And and that's a specialized, like people who, have, who need to be treated, that's a specialty. That's not something that can be generally treated. Gotcha. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, because yeah, I, I can know. imagine that that requires some like cognitive behavioral therapy. Like, I mean, I can imagine that that mm-hmm. really requires you know breaking habits that you use to cope mm-hmm. with with you know like anxiety or things like that, or just you know the feeling or experiencing that past trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, that's I feel a like, hard. Because I feel like the glamorized version is like, oh, I have a color coordinated closet, I'm OCD, mm-hmm. and like, but uh, but uh, when mm-hmm. I when you look at some of these people, they're they're also just like trying to get the collar on the dogs. 
leash and they just do it like six or seven or eight times or they keep taking the collar off the dog and the dog's confused like they're, <laughs> it's not always helpful it's yeah it's a obsessive compulsion and they're aware of it they're aware mm-hmm. that what they're doing is unreasonable but they can't help it mm-hmm. and so um when it's so there is also ocd personality disorder and so they don't know that they're that 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 it, there's something wrong with them they think that that's how it should be done mm-hmm. and so um so there is a separation where you may see something and then you're like, do you think something's wrong with that? And they're like, no. Okay, that might be creeping more into the personality gotcha. disorder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's, I think you have a little, don't you like to do some things in not Christmas decorations? Not at all. You do seem no. like Christmas. Those well, are really that's, stuff. Yeah. that's not me. That's the opposite of me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the opposite so, of whatever that is. And so, and then also OCD is specifics. I mean, it's a specific pattern for a specific thing. Um, like, you know, locking a door, I've got to check that door. I can't leave. I've checked the door five times now to make sure it was locked. Let me just make sure. Yeah. Right, let me just make sure <laughs> one more time. And then you say, this is completely unreasonable. I saw that the door was locked, but this compulsion in the brain is saying, you need to get back out of the car, <laughs> and you need to go double-check that lock again. For the so, sixth yeah. time. Yes, mm-hmm. for the seventh and eighth time. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so... You happy now? Is that, no, yeah, are you, are you happy now? No. Make sure happy. Well, after you made that little joke about it, I was gonna let it go, but then you were. Just, I mean, made that joke I, about I, it. I, I feel like we're in front of the wrong person to be <laughs> to be cavalier. Well, about I figured mental she would health. she would check me if I was like out of left bound. I mean, but I'm just saying, my brother has OCD, and it you know it, it keeps the house clean. Like I, this is, kills me because I'm not a clean person. But you know, it is what it is. All right. Yeah, and, I think that ultimately, like, as family, we do need to be gentle with our our loved ones. But then also those that are struggling with a mental, you know, who are like in essence, sometimes they're in mental crisis, but a mental disorder. We want to be gentle with them because um, as they're going through this process, it's already scary for them. And the last thing they need to hear is pray it away. Mm-hmm. Facts. You're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Facts. Or what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, just stuff like that. You see how that flowed? What's wrong sure. with you? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you've said that a couple of times. <laughs> right? You've said it a couple of times. <laughs> Guilty as charged. But, uh, but yeah, so those are those things that we, we need to be gentle. We need to mm-hmm. gen- be gentle to ourselves, um, to one another, um, as, as people are going through these, these challenges. So, so bipolarism, before we move on, mm-hmm. it's, it's, does there have to be a consistency with this up and downs, or is if we see it two times, it's like, okay, bro, you need to get checked out? Or does it is it like a history type thing? We've seen this. I've known you 20 years, and I've seen 10 years of this behavior. Yeah, it's more like that. So a person does not come in off the gate. That's a good question. So people don't come in off the cuff. They come off the street, and I see them one time, and I say, oh, yep, that's bipolar. It's not that a safe diagnosis is defaulting to depression, depression and anxiety, and then getting to know them before you start to, to give them diagnoses as serious as the ones mm-hmm. that, you know, like OCD, like uh, bipolar, like schizophrenia. You really want to make sure that it is a diagnosis that was carefully um, assessed. Okay. So with bipolar, with bipolar disorder, like, is it is there like a spectrum to it? Does it flow from kind of like the mild to moderate to like severe stages, or is it always just that extreme? Just like, one is it yep. always just you know that is extremely all. manic? Or, oh wow, mm-hmm. wow! And mm-hmm. I know that maybe. And hard now there to is now with, bipolar though. one. It's much more. It is those. It's it's uh, depression, 
and manic episodes mania. And then bipolar two, it's like a hypomania. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite extreme, extreme, um, but it still exists. There still is some manic, and that that's it takes years for a person to be diagnosed um, with bipolar two, and that's where you've gone to the same clinician, the same doctor who has seen you and has gotten to know you and how you've you know handled situations and then they'll say okay we're going to have to cross over from one diagnosis we thought it was bipolar one but it's actually bipolar two is bipolar two do not collect two hundred dollars do not pass go we take you straight to medication like the extreme manic one yeah uh so medication is is important yeah with a diagnosis like bipolar and a diagnosis like schizophrenia uh, but what happens is, you know, like I said, early, they'll take the medicine, they'll feel much better, mm -hmm. and then they'll stop taking their medicine, and they'll go through these episodes as, again. Another thing is really just learning. So just as, you know, just as humans, just as we have to learn our behaviors mm -hmm. and learn what our triggers are. And so if I'm about to walk into a high-stress situation and I have a mental health disorder, I already know that I, I may exacerbate my condition. And so, so as you, I remember once I was doing an assessment and a woman came in and she said, I'm getting married, I'm moving, um, I quit my job, mm. and um, something else. She gave me like this list, mm -hmm. just boom, 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 and just made my job very easy to type that out. <laughs> and, then she sure. said, and then she said, I'd like the doctor to increase my meds for a little bit. Just like that. <laughs> and I was like, Remember say take that, out? Was, that would be my recommendation as well. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Because it's learning. It's, it's, it's learning. Absolutely, it's learning you. And I think that that's the beauty of, of, of finding the right therapist is we are all flawed. Mm -hmm. and, and none of us are perfect. And so when you learn your quirks, there is no shame in that. Mm -hmm. Like I told you earlier, sometimes I'm that person. <laughs> I got you. All right, last one, uh, schizophrenia. <laughs> what is it in, like I said, I've only seen it in one form. I'm, I'm assuming there's more than one. I've only seen it in one form was Uncle James Mack, who could hear voices and be in the corner of the room talking to himself. That's the only form I've ever seen schizophrenia in. Is that, what exactly is schizophrenia? Okay, so um, schizophrenia definition is a long-term mental disorder, breakdown in the relationship between reality and, um, and, what is thought to have what they believe to be true. Okay, so there's a, a separation. Um, one example is, you know, the, I could say we're in California today. Mm -hmm. mm. Right? Where are we at? Where would you say we're at? Where are we at right now? We're in Alaska right now. No, we're in California. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. That's, that's no, we're that's right. We're in California. So, so you see how, like, so like is it true she's the way she's versus delivering. belief, or is it like your reality versus our shared reality, like our shared reality of what we all know to be true of where you're trying to right. believe it or not? So they believe in that, and in, in, in honestly, it's episode. It's like you just have Episodic. a moment, yeah, mm -hmm. an, episode, an episode where you are out of reality and you believe it wholeheartedly, unbud like you cannot be budged. Mm -hmm. And so that individual... So, so how other people look at them is just like, that's not true. 
and sometimes even with family as love we love them we want to convince them Mm -hmm. but all that is doing is exacerbating Mm -hmm. and agitating them and so ultimately how you want to do it is the same thing what do we do when we're with a baby the baby is babbling we babble back Mm. right um and so you want to check your conditions. You want to see this loved one. Why are they in this place? Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, they're stressed. Let me turn the television off because that is something that's just, mm. you know, just feeding mm. maybe their paranoia, their fear. Let me just turn the television off. Let's encourage you to take a bath or let's take a shower. Let's wash all of our worries away. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to get them into a place where it's not a matter of, going against them to prove to them because they truly in that episode they mm-hmm. truly believe that truth and can and that turn them against you anyway absolutely like? they already don't trust and then they're 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 baffled as to why you are why you keep saying we're in atlanta i know we're in california mm-hmm. and wow. so now i don't want to trust you so is this gradual? Like, do you see this in gradual increments, or it's just one day they just? Because it almost sounds like dementia. Like that—that's mm-hmm. kind of how I think about dementia. Is that like the wall have come down, and everything in your life is now this jumble, so you don't really remember things as a matter of fact. It just kind of as it comes, that's what you feel that particular day. So it kind of almost sounds like dementia to me. So do you see it in increments? It's like you slowly watch them that wall come down between reality and fiction, or is it like one big episode and from there it's just that's it? So it's really, it's bu- it builds up. As the stress builds, it builds up. And so you'll start to see minor things that grow into something bigger, into something bigger. And then they, they, they may stop taking their medicine. Mm-hmm. They, may refu- they may not, like I said, they, they stop trusting. They may start harboring secrets, start, um, you know, just, just pulling away. And so this individual needs help Mm -hmm. because you're concerned and then you can also see that what they're doing is really really like it's it's harming it's going to harm them in the end as it worsens because it's not treated Mm -hmm. and so like i said this is a condition that does require medication but it also requires just a gentleness Mm -hmm. um and no judgment because we're all coping differently to the traumas and the experiences and the surprises and the the stressors that are in our lives and so some of us just you know happen to be able to handle them well and then there's some that just cannot handle it and it looks like one of these different Mm -hmm. conditions you know like anxiety depression by you know um schizophrenia it just looks different and so so a therapist you know, a special, a psychiatrist, it's like they're going to be working with the individual, just helping them process so that they can get stronger in identifying and staying more committed um, in their treatment. And so, um, I mean, there's some complexity, but there is nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with the imperfections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with, with you. That's if we great. have enough time... I was gonna. I was gonna just say another thing that I think, even though schizophrenia is a condition, all these are actual conditions. Yes. Everybody, I feel like, from what I've come to read, can have a symptom of something for some, especially something like psychosis, which is just a symptom. Like I've heard of people who've had incidents with substances, or people who've just been under a lot of stress for a specific incident, or maybe people who've been um, 
just exacerbated in some way, whether chemically induced or not, who have had an, a psychotic episode. Yes. Not that they um, previously had any history of mental illness or in the future will, but whether it was caused by a single traumatic incident or by a chemical induction, especially something like like hallucinogenic. I've heard people having those episodes for a, f- for a few days, and that's something anybody, that can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? So it's like, how do you, you were talking a little bit before about being gentle and like how to identify it, but I don't think everybody knows that it's something everybody can experience. I think a lot of people think that there's certain people who, you know, can snap. But everybody can snap. Well, that's yeah. that, I had a question. My question with that was going to be how much does DNA, DNA play a part? Like if my uncle has schizophrenia or my dad has schizophrenia, what's the likelihood of me having schizophrenia? Like does that play a big part in it or it's just the way people handle things and it could just happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, we ask those questions when we're assessing what is the family history. Um, b- before the term was nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. and now someone can say, so I'll ask the question, has anybody in your family had a nervous breakdown in the past? Mm-hmm. And so someone's going to say, yeah, I had that aunt, my my grandmother's sister had a nervous breakdown, then she was hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Okay, now back then there may not have been as much knowledge, like actually she was schizophrenic, yeah. actually she mm-hmm. was bipolar, you know, she was dealing with... You know, um, I have an aunt who yeah. has every year, on the year almost. Yeah. <laughs> what, a nervous <laughs> breakdown? Break- oh, yes. inter- yeah, but so that's, every year, that's but intriguing. But that's the terminology, and I didn't know what that was. And so when yes. I, I was like, is that psychosis? But nobody ever said psychosis. They said, no, she's had a nervous breakdown. She's had a breakdown. Yes. And so, and really what, what a breakdown with psychosis is, is just you, your brain reaches a point of no, like um, it reaches a tip. And then it snap, it disconnects. Mm-hmm. In essence, it just there's a disconnection, and um, and so there's no way you can talk them back. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you can, and that's where medication comes mm-hmm. into play, just to help bring them back. But and then and honestly, time it mm-hmm. takes time. So sometimes a person who I guess does snap, it, it's a scary sight. It is. Um, it's like the, the lights on nobody's home stuff. That right, like about. they're present. Mm-hmm. Um, they're physically present. Uh, and the way I, I had once, one a cl- once a client had described it as, did you come visit me at the hospital or was that a dream? Oh. And I said, yeah, I was there. And she said, yeah, I, I vaguely remember, but I was in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And so that's when it was like, yeah. Might, might have another conversation because, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, she needed healing. She needed to heal. And so then when we had that conversation, she was much better. Mm-hmm. And so there, because there was this disconnect, the brain couldn't take it. And so there was this, this breaking. And I don't mean physical breaking mm-hmm. of the brain, but yeah, there was just like a disconnection. All right, so we're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, I'm pretty. Sh- this conversation is pretty much confirmed that one of my friends is bipolar. This, I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. after this conversation, they really are like that extreme and a low thing. Yeah, that's well. That's what a bit you much. can say to your friend is just say, "Get help." Yeah, you can a uh, gen- 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 little bit more gentler. You can say, <laughs> <laughs> "I'll drive you to get help." <laughs> what, what do you? What, what? You can say something like, um, "I see that sometimes things disrupt your life." a little bit more and I am confident that if you can talk with someone you know you're going to shoot you're going to you're going to reach every single one of your goals that's cute 
That's that's sweet. Oh. She'd punch me in the face. That's that's yeah. That's we need well, to do that. Flavor it up. But just say something <laughs> yeah. similar to that. But don't I'm say I'm gonna drive you. I'm driving you off right now. I mean, I don't think I have to give her a choice. Push her out the door. Don't push her out the door. Choice. All right. Any final thoughts you want to leave with the listeners or the viewers about everything we discussed today? Um, as we, as you guys have heard, we've just talked about just the complexities of mental health. Um, I just want to encourage people just to, just like you get a physical checkup, you get a mental checkup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, it's, it's cathartic. It feels good to be able to talk to somebody that's not family, that won't judge you, and help you just organize whatever is sorted in your brain. Um, and so it's a it therapy is really great. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. is. I'm serious. It's real talk. It really is. It's great. It's you talk and then you don't feel judged and then you're ready to conquer the world. And what I often say to people is a therapist gets you to your superpower. That's it. You want to be a superwoman? Get a therapist. You sound like a therapist. That's something a therapist would say. All right. Cam, final thoughts. <laughs> I would say my final thoughts just you know, it, it takes, it's definitely a team effort. It takes everyone to kind of combat these social stigmas that surround mental health. So just, you know, be a part of the action. Don't be, a, you know, don't exclude anyone because they have mental disorders or, you know, don't call them slurs and stuff. Just be sensitive, be mm-hmm. compassionate. And that's just all that I want to relay. Very good yeah. point. Yeah. I heard rainbows and unicorns. That's what I heard when you said yeah. that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I would just say that there's so many different ways you can get help now. Whether you take to Google, which is what I would do, and I would probably be looking up somebody like you who's in my area. Yeah. If you want to do that, if you want to just get an app, I mean, there's so many different apps now that will connect you with a counselor, you know, even if you just have your phone. But I think getting an individual, that would be my biggest takeaway from everything you said. Find an individual who is licensed to deal with these sorts of issues. You don't have to talk to your mom or your sister or your friends or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife yeah. or any. You don't have to do that, and maybe you shouldn't. Because a lot of times I think the people around you can diagnose you in advance and turn you off from yourself, mm-hmm. you know, calling you things that you don't want to be called. And, and people don't know what they're talking about. So just don't – definitely just go straight to a source, somebody who's educated, and then and then decide, yeah. you know, how you feel. But don't, you know, don't allow your circle to be that influential when it comes to your mental health because your mind is yours. They can't, they can't fix it. All right, and in mind, I got a, a group of people. I'm about to round up. We all going to therapy, so get your, get your <laughs> tickets ready. I'm rounding y'all up. And you're not, I'm not giving you a choice. I'm taking it in, and I'm telling you we're going to Dairy Queen, and I'm going to drop them off at your office. But um, I digress. Thanks. Special thanks to our guest today, Miss Regina Zabel. Thank you for being with us. Uh, keep an eye on her because she's having her own show soon enough. So we, we can keep an eye on you. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, next Friday, we are having Dr. Latoria Whitehead. She is a political scientist and an advisor to the CDC. She's going to be talking about what is environmental justice. Trust me, it's a term nice. you want to get to know because when she told me we had a discussion about it, I was floored. So we're going to be talking about that next Friday, same time, same place, on the Leadership Blend with your host, Ricardo D. Rice. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.